We're having the fourth, the last service, uh, Conversations in Discipleship today. I have to tell you, this particular topic has caused a lot of reflection and hmm, consternation because uh, it's, it's, a, it's a challenging one. This one is called community, and some of you have had really bad experiences in churches. Uh, some of you have been shunned by churches. Some of you have been uh, deeply hurt by churches. And that's unfortunate what happens in some churches. And uh, we want to talk about the reality of what community is in church, what your expectations are, what's realistic, uh, what are we going for. So our three panelists that are going to help me today to discuss this topic, I'm going to start with Tyria who's a married mother of three, an entrepreneur, missionary at heart. Tyria, come on up. I would say her last name, but I, don't think, I might get it wrong. So, uh, Brad Wallbank is going to help us. He's also a father of many kids and grandkids. He's an elder. He's a government worker in the healthcare industry. And uh, I consider him a part of my community. He actually was the chairman of the search committee that brought me here. So I like him. And then oh, another one of our favorites is Kaylee Wilson. She is um, married, a mother of two kids, and is our children's and family minister. I picked these three specifically because I've watched them for the past year and a half, as long as I've been here, and their primary focus is on community, and they are very uh, extroverted kinds of people that just are out there doing things in their own neighborhoods and uh, just drawing people in. But is that the same as community? We're going to look at that today. So statistically, what I've realized is that North Americans are some of the loneliest people on the planet. We have, we have bought into this idea that our screens and our computers bring community and really, what they bring is connection. You might have 2,000 friends on Facebook, or multiple friends on Snapchat or WhatsApp or all those kinds of things, but are you actually connected? Because it seems like we're, we prefer uh, to chat online than we do to talk face-to-face -face with people these days. There's a, a survey done in the States where it was uh, revealed that, um, that 35 percent of Americans, I wish I had the Canadian stats, but they admit to being lonely. In England, Theresa May, when she was prime minister, she appointed a loneliness minister to address how lonely the people were in England. Um, George Gallup did a, a survey, and uh, he talks about our staunch individualism and our disconnect with our community and uh, our over-dependence on the use of social media. And so it's no wonder that uh, many, many people never even have a single conversation with their neighbors. In fact, they may not even know who their neighbors are. Mm -hmm. Living in the same place for five to seven years, they've never had a, a conversation about more than a nice weather, eh, uh, with their neighbors. <laughs> we are lonely but fearful of intimacy. Our online life gives us the illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship. 25% of the people surveyed in one study had no one 
to have a personal connect conversation with. Can you imagine not even having a single person in their life that they could have an intimate, personal, real conversation with? I'll, the last statistic I'll give is uh, several studies have shown the physical impact of loneliness, saying loneliness is worse than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It is tied to heart disease, dementia, and especially anxiety and depression. And the worst part about loneliness is that it can devolve into what we call tribalism. So tribalism is the evil twin to community in that community is based on mutual love and tribalism is based on mutual hate. In other words, who do we hate? You hate the same person as I do, so let's be together. Community is about whom and what we are for. And tribalism is about whom and what we are against. Community is about generosity and honor and celebrating the other and how different we are. Tribalism is zero-sum battle for scarce resources where it is kill and be killed. Hmm. We've seen this in the past couple of years where people join together in groups according to what they're against instead of to what they're for. Community welcomes newcomers and tribalism puts walls up to protect those inside. If you think about the Good Samaritan story, we have an example of some tribalism where someone was found hurt on the road. The first three people that walked by walked on the other side, didn't want to get involved, didn't want to have to contribute, didn't want to get into a messy thing, didn't want to sacrifice or waste their time, whereas the Samaritan stopped. And he engaged the persons in need, he helped the person, and he, he sacrificed for the sake, didn't know the guy. But that's what community does, it stops. It gets involved, it enters into other people's world. So I'm going to ask my, my compa- uh, companions up here, what does church community mean to you personally? I'm going to start with uh, Kaylee. Family. My church family. You hear me say that all the time. Good morning, church family. Like, the church here is my family, but that's not always been the case. Um, I've been at other churches where it's not been like that. And of course, my family is my family, and I adore them so much, but um, just being a part of the bigger family here at MRAC means so much to me. And there's so many different, like any family, dynamics that are in there, and different people, and you know, that, yeah, just all all different people. And I just, I love my family. We'll get more into that in a minute. Brad, how about you? Uh, community is, in, in my mind, is a, a group of people, like-minded people, <clears throat> who can share experiences together, who can enjoy being surrounded with themselves, and who have a shared goal of what they want to try to accomplish. Mm-hmm. How about you, Tyria? What is it? You come from a little different background than some of us, and that's why you're here. Mm -hmm. What does community mean to you? Well, I need it um, desperately because without it, I don't know that I would be where I am. And I also love that we are called to do that for someone else. Um, It's taking that larger scope of church and then making it a smaller church and doing what he instructs us to do as a large church with one another. So I'm very grateful for community. Um, And I also feel it's very important to give that to other people as well, so they experience it. Mm 
I've heard over the years as pastor, people say, Pastor, I'm a part of God's family. I don't need to join a local church. Um, I'm a part of the universal church. And I say, hmm, I wonder if that universal church will come visit you in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they will watch your kids while you have something to do or bring a casserole. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the difference to you between the universal church and the local church in terms of community? Well, I have two really great friends who live in Texas who are part of my faith story. And immediately upon meeting them and being believers, we were a family. But I don't see them. I don't do life with them, right? So that's that bigger picture of the church and then the people that um, are in my life group or that you know I go for a coffee with and that we just kind of go through the word and pray with one another and, and share each other's burdens. That is... Um, Someone else, what, what do you see as a difference? Yeah, for myself, Deanna and I were at a uh, conference. I used to be a university housing officer. Went down to uh, southern United States and were attending with housing directors from all across the United States and Canada. And we were standing there outside waiting to get on buses, and there were several hundred people. And Deanna and I could see this couple, and they were kind of smiling and seemed like they were pretty happy. Maybe they were morning people like us, who knows? But they were really kind of approachable. And we went up and talked to them, and I said, I said, uh, so what university are you from? They were from Liberty University, which is a Christian university in the United States. And instantly, we had a connection. And we stepped back, and we actually prayed for everybody. Mm. That's kind of the global community, I'd say. Within this context, I've been fortunate enough to enter into a bit of a mentoring relationship with some men within the church, and that's more my local community here in Maple Ridge Lions Church. What do you think, Kaylee? Well, the nice thing about the global church, our kingdom, is that we're all members of it. We're all brothers and sisters. And no matter where we come from, what walk of life we're in, what circumstances may have led us to that point, we're all welcome. We're all welcome, open, open arms, right? They're waiting. Like, your brothers and sisters in Christ, they, they all... Commonality. Just, yeah, you have that common denominator yeah. with one another. And that is so big because I find in... The world, community often means, you know, you have things in common. You play the same sport. Your kids go to the same school. You um, look the same. You like the same things. But at church, it's more than just that external um, similarities. It's a deep internal similarity that binds us all together. It's that common denominator of Christ's love and the humbleness that comes along with that. It's interesting to look at the New Testament when Jesus called his uh, 12 disciples. He called um, not the same kinds of people. In fact, he called people that were extremely politically opposite. Uh, Some were just entrepreneurial, self-employed fishermen. Others actually worked for the Roman government in taxation And then we had uh, Simon the Zealot, who actually was a part of a group that murdered Roman soldiers when they caught them off guard. They would come up behind them with knives and slit their throat or whatever, and not publishing that. but So uh, imagine sitting around the campfire and saying, so Simon, you know, 
How many people have you killed? <laughs> when you got uh, Matthew and others who are being taxes going, oh, like, stay away from this guy. And I can imagine the kind of conversations they had, but the common denominator, as Kaylee says, was Christ. And somehow, over the three and a half years, he pulled them together to the place where they would die for his cause together. They had each other's back. They would, they would sacrifice for one another. They were a team. And uh, he's the one that made the difference in all of it. They could put all their differences aside because now they had a, a common goal as a kingdom. I think, too, to add, like, even when you think Paul and Barnabas split up, but they were still <coughs> accomplishing the same purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, even in having a little... A, a, a disagreement. fight, a disagreement, <laughs> uh, so much so that they separated, went their, their different ways. They, they left brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, it describes the early church this way. It says that they spent their time learning from the apostles. They were like family to each other. They also broke bread and prayed together. Everyone was amazed by the miracles and wonders of the apostles' worked, And the Lord's followers often met together, and they shared everything they had. They ate in each other's homes and uh, shared their food freely. That's Acts chapter 2. Two chapters later, it says almost the identical same thing, that they were united in heart and mind, that they felt what they had owned was not their own. They shared everything they had. Uh, and there was no needy people because everyone took care of everyone else's needs. Is that what you find at MRAC? Well, I'd like to think that we can get past the point of people saying, Cambridge Alliance Church is a friendly church, and yes, we are. Mm-hmm. But is... That type of community experienced by everyone. There's some people that have been part of this church for many, many years, and they've developed relationships, and they've developed strong relationships. So there's pockets mm-hmm. of that community, I think, of the Alpha team that's, you know, that I'm blessed to work with and with Martin and others. And we have that type of community where we can tell each other and you know, things that are going on in our lives past, gee, how are you, and exactly how is the weather. So there's pockets of that. Um, but are we all like that? Is everybody connected to that? I'm, I'm not sure we are, but I would think that that's kind of one of the goals. Should that be an expectation? Should we expect walking into a church that all of a sudden we're going to be best buddies with everyone? They're going to invite us to their home. They're going to take care of our kids if we want to go shopping. Uh, I uh, would love that. (laughs) (laughs) I would love that. My goal in life is to have everyone here over for lunch. Like one of the um, things that my family jokes about is after church, the kids always say, oh, who's coming over? Add another cup of water to the soup. <laughs> so you might not get the best soup, but at least you'll get some love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, but I think, it's not realistic, like no. you said, to have that connection with everybody. I would love to. I think, too, that there's kind of both ends of the spectrum. I think that there's people don't really get that close to others because sometimes people can't really control themselves in the first couple of conversations. You know, hi, how are you? And then, blah, this is all that's (laughs) happening in my life. And people go, okay, thank you, see you. But what we're looking for is authentic relationships. Can everybody be connected to everybody? Maybe not. But there are connections. There is a possibility for people and care groups and others and the ladies' leadership team, et cetera, the 
the, the children's and families mm-hmm. ministry leaders yeah, that you have a different relationship with. Totally. Should we, what should our expectation be, Tyria? Well, it's been my experience that I've needed, you know, coming into this church, having left a different church, I was like, all right, what's the starting point? So I made a Caesar salad with Shirley Kinney. And we laughed and we chatted and she told me about her life and how broken she is. And I was like, all right, we're friends. And um, it's been the experience walking alongside other women who have gone to help Deanna make mm-hmm. a cake yeah. in the kitchen that they've started to connect. So I think we as participants of the church have to be open to do those things with others, but others need to come and look for those places where they enjoy that time, and then it kind of ripples out, right? Shirley introduced me to this one yeah. and that one, and it kind of grew from there. So I, I think like, it's double-sided. I feel like God equips us for those situations too. Do we always want to serve? No. But are we always equipped to serve? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's always a place for somebody in our church to serve and connect. Mm-hmm. And it might look different for me than it looks for you or for you, Brad. Yeah. Like. Um, but God equips us, and then he also brings that community around us in that situation when we step outside of our comfort zone and put ourselves there where he's calling us community to be. Community is, is a little bit like advanced citizenship. You can be superficial and say, hi, how are you? And the person on the other side, you're not even listening mm-hmm. to their response. And they could be telling you something that you're just going through the motions Community is the sense that when somebody speaks to you, you're in the moment with them. And I think what we could do better with being in the moment, uh, that will cause people to not be too uh, constrained in their, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, being part together in this journey, in our faith journey. So the book of uh, Acts, chapter 2, talks about having everything in common, everyone be lovey-dovey, sharing food, and Acts chapter 4, another thing, you know, great friendships uh, in your homes, uh, everyone sharing. In Acts chapter 5, we have Ananias and Sapphira Mm. coming and lying to the church, trying to promote um, themselves to make themselves look good. And in in the end, uh, uh, Peter recognizes that they are lying to the church about the money that they're giving, withholding some for themselves. And basically, he calls him out on it, and, and tragically, he dies on the spot. This, the, the husband and the wife both are lying to the church. So we have lovey-dovey church, eat in our homes, have everything in common. Then we've got a couple of people, jokers, that come in and screw it all up, mess it all up, and tragically, they lost their lives. Um, have you ever been hurt in church by people who were, weren't thinking or targeted you or treated you with disrespect? Have you ever been hurt in a church? And what did you do with that? So people that are very close to me have been um, very hurt by the church um, to the point where they left it and walked away from God. And when I had that conversation with them afterwards, years later actually, Um, what it came down to was they were hurt by a person Mm. in the church, not the church. 
they were hurt and felt disrespected and felt unloved by a person in the church. But what breaks my heart about that is the church is full of people, and none of us are perfect. And we all have off days, and we all have um, those situations where we say something and then turn around and wish that we had said something different. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, we're not perfect in that moment. And unfortunately, when we're thinking about community, we think that this church community is, is Christ, or is behaving always like Christ. Is that our goal? Is that what we strive to? Yes, absolutely it is. But is that the reality, living here on earth in this world? No, it's not, unfortunately. And that does mean that hurt does happen. The possibility of hurt is there. Exactly. What do you think, Tyria? Well, I was hurt by my former church, and there's a long story there. We could have a coffee and do community, and I will tell you about it. Pull up a chair. (laughs) Um, But it's actually one of the times where I I experienced God in a very powerful way in that time, and it helped me to see the bigger picture that those people um, had a different perception, and we're all different. We all have different daily lives, experiences, upbringings, outlooks, hopes, dreams, like it's in Christ that we are able to be our best and to do our best. And we can do better. And I can do better. And I think so long as we're keeping in that position with God, we will see the fruit of that labor. Mm -hmm. I think being on the board for a number of years, three different stints, this whole part of maybe discipline or mm. trying to address issues that, of disunity, mm. uh, people who are sowing seeds of disunity, takes on a different meaning. Those are very difficult conversations to have. But unless you have them, unless you're the type of church where we will actually, in love, yeah. call people on what they're doing, I think that that gets other people who are maybe observers to that situation to say, wow, this church actually takes scripture seriously. Yeah. Actually takes individual mm-hmm. discussions with people. There's no gossiping about things. Half, half the time, folks in the congregation never even know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But with that, it's, it, for, as a board member, and this is my little thing for people to pray for the board, (laughs) is that that is draining. Oh, yeah. So take that away from talking about the board. It's draining when people who are trying to be part of of an authentic community see disunity or hear of disunity. This terrible thing that happened to the world called COVID, aside from it separating everybody, tribalism, oh, my word. Mm -hmm. Those kinds of things came out in spades and lots of, in, in the secular world, yeah. also in the church. And people who are around that, they're going, okay, I'm going to go talk to my Christian friends. Please don't talk about immunizations. Please don't talk about immunizations. Totally. <laughs> and those, 
parts of our discussion, we, tr we try to sweep them under the rug. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important, and especially, you know, lead pastors, you get called in to talk to people about things, and it's got to be very hard on you as somebody whose heart is for people to go and speak to your children and to give them a, a little bit of encouragement, let's just say. And I'd like to add, too, you know, that we look at you and you're having these difficult conversations, but are we seeing you, your daily living, your relationships, your past, right? Are we looking at the person past the exterior and caring for one another? And on that note, if I can, <laughs> I just think if we don't wake up each day and give ourselves to the Lord and humble ourselves before him, then how do we ever expect to be in a place where we can see others the way that he sees them, the way that he made them, the way that they are and that they are the image of our God? And if we're too involved in ourselves, then how are we to see the beautiful gift that mm -hmm. is this person? Mm -hmm. Whether or not it's a comfortable conversation or somebody that we agree with, mm -hmm. they're still a child of God. So this past week, I uh, took a, a, an opportunity to get out of the office, get away from my keyboard, and I went to visit one of our church members uh, where he works. Uh, I won't say his name on TV, but uh, he, he works at a, a cemetery. And uh, I can say that I have rarely met someone more passionate about ministering to people that are hurting than, I, than I've met uh, this past week. Uh, I've never had a tour of a cemetery before, and, mm -hmm. and this, this was his former pastor here in this site. And here are some friends that died early uh, because they got off track and into drugs. And here's a 17-year-old girl who OD'd in drugs. And he was showing me around and the passion that he had. And he says, and I get to talk to people about God all the time. I get to people that have been out of church for years. I, I, I tell them, can you give your, give your pastor a call? Maybe he'll come and say a few words for you at your service. And then they get back into church. And, but I, I tell you, I don't get that conversation in the foyer. I get, how's it going? Great. Good to see you. Hope you have a great time here today. But I don't get the personal stuff. I don't get the, the passion and the stories. And unless I spend time with people outside of church, I, I'm not going to really build community with them. And, and I, I, you know, my goal is to try and get into the, the, goal, the, the workplaces of, of a large, large number of our members because then it speaks, uh, directs my sermon preparation. How, how where are they living out their faith? What is the context of where they're, they're, they're uh, representing Christ where they work? And it's a joy for me to get into the lives of people but too often it's, you know, the perfect Christian facade. Uh, I don't want to seem like I have any problems, you know. Oh, I, how can I pray for you? Oh, I'm good, Pastor. Well, lie, 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 lie. <laughs> you know, everybody's got issues. Everybody's got struggles. Everybody's got stuff. Um, how do we create an authentic, transparent community at MRAC? How do we have the kind of community that we want to, we, we, we're desperate for, personally. I think we need to drop the mask and be authentic and be real. 
We're all beggars joining other beggars in search for food. We're desperate for community. If you really ask yourself, would you like to be part of a church that really cares about my needs, who really wants to help? Most people would say, yeah, sign me up. Mm. You know, let me become a member. I want to be part mm. of that. But how do we do that? Pastor, I think that that's a, that's a work in progress for any church. I wouldn't gauge Maple Ridge Alliance mm. against any other church as to where we are. Have we arrived? Have we not? But I think that it is like our faith journey. It's a journey as a church. Mm-hmm. And there's times when we accelerate to that, and sometimes maybe we don't do as much. But I think the pastoral staff that you have, and Kaylee and, and them, are true gifts of people who really have that sense of discipleship and, and sense of community and sense of authentic love for other people. About a month ago, uh, I was down south for a funeral, and I came back, and I'm just scrolling through our website just to see what, what our church looks like online, and uh, came to staff and elders. Then I scrolled down through the staff, and I'm like, yeah, I like those guys, you know? And, uh, I like those guys. And I got to the, the elders, and one by one by one, like there's eight of them on there, and I just, I almost started crying, because I thought, those are my friends. Yeah. Those are the guys that pray for me. Those are the guys that ask, how's it going, Tom, and mean it, mm. and, and don't let me get away with trite answers mm-hmm. and uh, how's your wife's eyes doing or all this kind of thing like and I I've never had that in a different in any other as this is the sixth church I've been in and it's the first time I've felt a bond and I and I like that that's because that's part of my community we meet twice a month and sometimes we go on forever <laughs> three hours of meetings please <laughs> working on that yeah. but I it, it, community doesn't happen once every six months. It, it ha- I, I just tell this illustration. I, I uh, found this on uh, a, a podcast. Um, there's three families that share their uh, family budgets with one another. So everyone gets to see how, how they spend their money, whether it's on a Dairy Queen ice cream or a new bicycle or Netflix or whatever, you know, entertainment or food and clothing. And they get to critique each other's budgets. All three families, uh, you're spending too much here, you're not spending enough on your wife. Here, you need to be going out more, like at least once a week, do something. And if, if they want to spend more than $1,000, they have to get permission from the other two couples. That's how open and transparent they are to one another. Because where your money is, there your heart is also. And how much are you tithing? Did you tithe this week? You know, that kind of thing. And um, that's, that is community for them. And that's accountability. You don't get there by having coffee every four months. Yeah, it's a weekly kind of a commitment. That's, I wouldn't say it's extreme. I've never heard of people doing that and going, hmm, sounds yeah. rare. But yeah, that sounds weird. It sounds... <laughs> but do you see yourself getting to that point in community or is that like that's too transparent? That's too open. How much do we want to be in community? A number of years ago, I started a little simple thing that I asked people... Can I have your cell phone number? Because then I can text you two words, please pray. Mm-hmm. 
they don't really need to know what it is. And if I want to, oh, it works terrible or whatever mm -hmm. the situation is. For me, that's something that when you pray with somebody, you get a closeness that you have that other people really don't experience as much. When you pray for each other, you know on the other end of that poem, somebody is praying for you. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we had a men's breakfast, and I handed out a book, and I said, uh, I'm not forcing anybody to do this, but would you look around your table, and would you use this book as a way to get together in community, to hold each other accountable, to work through this book together, ask each other the questions, and get, you know, form some more bonds uh, amongst the guys. I don't know what percentage actually did that, but it was an opportunity. I was inviting people into community and accountability, uh, and some people just don't want that. And others, they jump in to say, yes, of course, I want to build friendships. I want to get to know people. I want to be a part of this church. Uh, yeah, it's, it's humbling. I want, to, I want to end up with a, a couple of things. First of all, in Romans 12, it talks about our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function. So in Christ's body... We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to one another. If somebody invites you into their life or into their world or invites you over for, let's just have coffee, and then maybe go to, let's have dessert, and then it's like, hey, come on over for lunch, and then you're at each other's birthday parties. It's like there's a progression and levels of friendship and community. What Do you have a strategy like that, trying to build community? Well, I have had a little alpha group that then became a Bible study group that then became a life group that now I'm not able to be as active and they're continuing to meet and they're all branching off and meeting other people. And so that's the goal, right? Um, yeah. And like I have a little friend here who's at Alpha with me and we go out for coffees and it's, it's uh, developing an intimacy with one another and an openness with one another and it started with a hello in the foyer, right? And now I'm friends with your friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I shared um, that I'm part of a mentoring group and, you know, that group has spawned another group uh, and so I've kind of unfortunately kind of allowed them on their own way, and I've moved on to another group. And mentoring isn't something that I do. Mentoring is something we all do. And the closest that I have with those people, mm -hmm. it's something. Community is, is non-optional for the disciple of Jesus. Mm -hmm. he Amen. Ca he mm -hmm. calls us Absolutely. into community. That's how the world knows that we are his disciples, yeah. is to love one another yeah. well. You can't demonstrate Christ without showing love, and love is an in, done in community. So if you're kind of a Christian that is always looking from the outside in, wishing that you were part of the in-group, in the in-crowd, the clique, the, the, the fun team, uh, where do you even start if you're an outsider looking in? Well, we, our life group is pretty awesome. Lots of great women. And Cheryl said, can I be a part of your life group? And I said, heck yeah. <laughs> come on in. Sometimes it's just asking. Hey, I like you guys. Can I come to one of your things? Yeah. Right? We don't have to, you know, go out and, and scope people out. Like, mm -hmm. we, are, we should be open to having you come alongside us. 
Yeah, we should not have any closed groups in the church, except for the elders. Uh, but yeah. beyond that, <laughs> we're not trying to add more people along the way, except at AGM time. Uh, but to say that we should always be looking outward and not inward. The community is inviting more people in, not to say how, you know, uh, and uh, I love the diversity in our church. Mm-hmm. I can learn so much mm-hmm. from people from other cultures and backgrounds, and yeah. I gain in, just even my, my chat with, with a particular person this last week opened my eyes to a whole new world of ministry that I hadn't been seen before. I, I, I get shaped in community, and the truth is we don't become more like Christ anywhere else except through community in our transparency and in encouraging uh, people. So in community, we get formed and shaped and buffeted and, and iron sharpens iron type of thing. And that's what it's designed for, to help us become more Christ-like. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's one thing you want to leave with people today about community, what would it be? It's not perfect, but neither are we. And the community of Christ does not stop at these four walls. It goes beyond that. It goes outside of the walls, and it goes into the schools where you drop your kids off. It goes into your workplace where you go every day. It goes with you. The spirit of community and Christian community and Christian living goes with you everywhere you go. And in your neighborhood, how are you building community in your neighborhood? Mm. Like, my neighbor and I, we go outside in our pajamas and our robes and we have coffee all the time like is it pretty no it's not (laughs) makeup all over my face hair everywhere but it's real it's authentic life we talk about work we talk about friends we talk about family we talk about life um is she a follower of christ no she's not does it mean i love her any less absolutely not does it mean that i share with her the good news and hope that comes from Christ, it does, absolutely. And that comes from being part of a community where I'm comfortable to do that as well. And then from that, you feel comfortable. You're on mission. Beyond. You're sent yes, out exactly. by the church. Exactly. And I feel like once we're in that place in our spirituality and in our growth with Christ and like once we're feeling confident in who we are in the Lord, then we can go out beyond these walls and we can speak truth to the world. Yeah. I think there's kind of two quick points. One is be, if you feel that you're on the outside looking in, become involved. Mm-hmm. Be motivated to set up chairs for Alpha. Be motivated to come and to help set up all the decorating that happens with the Christmas mm-hmm. events that we do. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a gifting. Everybody belongs. Mm -hmm. And so step out in faith. The other thing is that if you're in the group, reach out to others. Mm -hmm. Because you don't know what hangs in the balance. Mm -hmm. You don't know that you're the only Jesus that person will ever see. And so take a risk. Mm -hmm. Be risky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I was watching a couple sermons just to prepare on this topic, and I loved what this one guy said. He said, you come on a Sunday, and we all sit in rows, right? And you don't even know who's sitting behind you. But then after Sunday, once we've been filled, once we're equipped, once we've received that good news message, is to go and sit in circles Mm -hmm. where you can look at one another and see one another and 
you know, eat with one another. And so, yeah, rows and circles. They have their places. What about that, the other preacher that only had um, two words to say? Oh, yeah, this uh, preacher, he was ready to go deliver a sermon. He had prepared, and the Lord just met him. And he was like, I got nothing. Like, he was humbled in that moment. We can do better. And so he went up, grabbed the pulpit, and he just said, love one another. And then he sat down for 15 minutes. And then he went back up and he grabbed the pulpit and he said, love one another. And he sat back down. And he did that three times. And then the congregation started to make amends and to cry Mm -hmm. and to share their burdens with one another. Mm -hmm. And he said it was the best sermon that he had ever preached. And all he said was love one another. Yeah. I guess if, if there's anything I'd like to leave the congregation with today is those two words. It's a command of Christ because he knows best. He knows how community happens. And that's how it happens as we just love one another. Do unto others as we would have them do unto us. Take the initiative and share our life. Uh, life is short. It's not meant to be hoarded and kept. It's meant to be shared and put out there so that we can make a difference. Let Christ make a difference through us. Thank you all for helping us today. Appreciate your insights and your putting up with us. That's good. Can I have our worship team come back up, and I'm going to close in prayer, if that's okay. Father God, this is your day with your people, and you put us into community here at MRAC. May we see those that are on the fringe, on the outside looking in. May we go to them and draw them in. And Father, may we be willing to be transparent and authentic and honest with one another. Uh, Fake Christians don't grow. Putting on facades uh, prevents people from helping us and loving us. May we be real, Father, as you demonstrated on the cross, as you demonstrated to your disciples, as you encourage them to be honest and real with one another. May we reflect your heart. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.